my brothers and sisters, it is so good to be with you right now. We're going to talk tonight about how to have the joy of the Lord and how that joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. And in fact, this entire semester, I guess you can call it, all, all through Christmas, we're going to talk about different aspects of what it means to live in joy, how to claim that joy, how to have that joy, even when things are difficult in your life. We're going to talk about joy so much you're going to get sick of it. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to get tired of how happy this show makes you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. God created you for joy. And I think that's hard for a lot of us to believe. And I think a lot of us don't believe that because we have the wrong idea of who God is. Some of us have this idea that I, th I think the Greeks and Romans had of God. A God Zeus. He was a lightning bolt wielding jerk. <laughs> He's like the worst version of yourself, only you can throw lightning bolts at the kids when you come home from work. So we have this relationship with God where, where we, we don't think that he would have actually made us to be happy. Or we think he was easily agitated by things. I recently heard this hilarious joke that, that, <laughs> that sums up how a lot of us tend to see God. That at the Last Supper, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And Peter said, is it I, Lord? And Jesus said, no, it's not you, Peter. And John said, is it I, Lord? And Jesus said, no, it's not you, John. And Judas said, is it I, Lord? And Jesus said, is it I, Lord? <laughs> Sorry. So stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous because obviously that would not be Jesus. He would never do that. But that's how some of us see him. We take our worst qualities and we export them into the heart of God. We have a God who actually wants us to be happy. But, but if you don't believe that from your theology, if, if, you, if you can't quite grasp that or get there, you can believe it by looking in your own heart. You see, God wants you to eat food. How do I know that? Because your stomach growls. That's how I know that. You have a hunger in, in, in your gut that shows that you're made to take food in. If you listen to the deepest longing of your soul, listen deep down inside, underneath every longing you have ever had, beneath everything you've ever wanted in life, you know what you want? You want happiness. Or maybe a better word for it, a deeper spiritual happiness is joy. Blaise Pascal, he said this, is a great quote. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both with different views. This is the motive of every action of every man, even, check, this is wild, even of those who hang themselves. What? That's an extreme thing to ponder. Even people who hang themselves, what they're really looking for is a relief from pain, which they think is blocking them from happiness, from joy. We're made for joy. We're made for happiness. By the way, I want you to feel free to interrupt me at any point that I'm talking. This is not just me giving a talk to you. This is us hanging out. Text your questions. The number is 720-650. 0100-720-650-0100. Throw me off my course. Throw me off my game. I'm, I'm, we're here to talk and hang out, okay? So interrupt me with your questions. Jesus 
came to deliver the joy that you're looking for. Much like God designed your stomach because he had in mind, I'm going to bless these people with food. Thank you, Lord, for the variety of foods. He could have made us like cows, where it's like you get one thing your whole life. <laughs> Eat the grass. We have this incredible, beautiful variety. But God made our souls for happiness. And, and you know, sometimes we start to forget that as life goes on. Maybe we've been broken. Maybe we experience difficult pains in our lives that, that drown out the desire we're so in touch with when we're children. Lord, we want to be happy. We want to be joyful. Jesus came to deliver that joy. This is one of my favorite scriptures, John 15. So I have a Bible here, and I'm reading from my phone. That's so millennial. Uh, no offense to the millennials watching. Generation X, go. John 15, 11, I've told you these things so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Let me say that again. I've told you these things so my joy may be in you. The joy of God, the joy that was powerful enough to start a universe, that joy, that's what Jesus wants inside of you. And he said, I've told you all the things I've ever told you so that this joy that I have in me can be in you. Jesus wasn't an angry God. Oh, sure, you have the verses where he flipped the, the, the tables in the temple. But he wasn't primarily angry all the time. Jesus was primarily happy all the time. <laughs> and he wanted to share that joy with us. He created us out of a dream to share that joy with us. And if you look at the end of the Bible... The book of Revelation. What's heaven described as? A wedding banquet. What is more happy making than a wedding banquet? It, my daughter was married uh, almost two years ago. I mean, I couldn't wipe the smile from my face. My cheeks had muscle pains the next morning. A place where you're resting in and rejoicing in love. That's, that's the end goal. That's what God's dream was when he made the universe, when he created us, and we blew it and didn't follow him, and he sent his only son to die for us, to bring us back to his plan, to share his eternal joy with us, and that son, the son of God, I've told you these things so my joy may be in you. I didn't get that. That, was, that wasn't how I saw God as a kid. I, I grew up and my priorities were completely out of whack, because I thought I was going to find that joy that Blaise Pascal described, the joy that underlies everything else you've ever looked for in life. You want to be married. You want lots of money. You want popularity, fame, a good job. You want all those things because you want joy. And I was convinced I was going to find those without God. So as early as 6th, 7th, 8th grade, I was drinking with friends after school. And uh, I have a distinct memory. I think I was in 6th, uh, 7th grade. And I was at a friend's house, and I had a crayon in, in my right hand and a shot of Jack Daniels in my left hand. Because I looked up to people who did that. Well, they didn't have the crayon piece. But I had a poster of Slash from Guns N' Roses. His hair was covering his face. He was sitting in a corner in a city street with a bottle of Jack next to him. And I thought, happiness, the joy I'm looking for. And I wanted to use girls. And that, that, I thought that that would be, you know, bring me to life. So my parents dragged me to this retreat that I didn't want to go on. Thank you, Mom and Dad, probably watching right now. They watch all my stuff. <laughs> and uh, what blew my mind in this retreat, it wasn't, and by the way, I love coerced religious experiences for kids for this reason. I don't want to go. 
Too bad. Your parents make you go to school. They make you eat greens when you're growing up. They might make you do religious things, too, because it's good for you. Uh, but what blew my mind and totally changed my life, it wasn't the people who were professional speakers. And you know what, guys? This is why I'm so passionate about what I'm doing and helping you live the joy of the Lord and, and highlighting you and sending you out to the world as a joyful Christian. Because it wasn't a professional speaker who changed my life. It wasn't the light, the stage, the sounds, a beautiful studio, a nice screen behind me. It, no, no. It was the joy of the Lord and the people's faces in that room. And I distinctly remember this one guy who was probably 65. He wasn't cool. He didn't look like Slash. He didn't have anything going for him that my secular rock stars had going for them. But he was standing there praising God. <laughs> and it wrecked me. Because he had something that Slash didn't have. He had the joy of the Lord. He had inner life. Pope Benedict XVI said how the early Christians described themselves as the living ones. I knew when I saw him that everybody I had looked up to was dead and that I was dead and I wanted that life of God, that life of God that is proclaimed to the world by the joy in a Christian's face. Yes, the world can get you down sometimes. Sure. But he is risen, guys. Tell your face that. We need to start living in the joy of the Lord. I'm passionate about helping you live in that joy because of joyful Christians that changed my life and because I'm confident that when you live in the joy of the Lord, even if you don't have a stage or, or a desk or, or your own Christophanic show, if you're living in the joy of the Lord, that guy who, I, who changed my life, he'd never guess that he's why I'm talking to you right now. You never know the impact you have when you go through everyday life as a joyful Christian. Now, you're going to, again, hear me talk about joy so much in the next few months, you're going to get sick of it. <laughs> All right, And I'm going to talk about how to. In fact, I wrote a great book called Living Joy. And uh, the, the uh, Augustine Institute formed, they're pushing for their Advent book program. So everybody at your parish can get one of those. I'm really stoked about that. <coughs> so, <coughs> sorry. This is what happens <coughs> when you drink water while talking. All right, so I'm going to talk about how to live in the joy of the Lord. We're going to go over different rules for how to live a joyful life. But <coughs> before I keep going in this direction of joy, i got to clarify a couple things. One, spiritual joy is not the same as passing emotions. It's not the same as, as a surface-level happiness. All right, take the, the image of the ocean, for example. In the ocean, you have surface waves. And, and you know, the surface waves, that's kind of like the, the surface of our emotional life. The wind comes at those waves, and <clears throat> there's a lot of factors in our lives that we can't control that hit the surface and that cause that surface chop. The moon comes by and affects the tides, and, and that's not in the control of the ocean, but it you know, brings up those waves. Here's the thing. You go a little bit deeper than the surface chop, and it's quiet. Nothing's moving around at all. I love body surfing. I've body surfed in places that are really genuinely scary, <laughs> where the waves are, you know, coming up, uh, like, it could be a seven-foot wave sometimes, right? And you're watching this mound of water, and it's really scary, but I'll tell you what you do. Every time you dive down, you grab the sand, and nothing's moving down there, and the big wave just passes right over the top of your head. It just passes over. You see, that's the spiritual joy that God's calling us to. And it doesn't depend on the surface chop. The Summa, at St. Thomas Aquinas, talks about 
delight is resting in the possession of some good. Spiritual joy comes from our souls in the deepest de depths resting in the love of God. We had a viewer ask, what if I'm annoyed by other, by other people's joy? How can I be joyful in other people's joy? Oh, what a great question. Um, I was actually uh, giving a talk once with Peter Kreeft. If you don't know who Peter Kreeft is, you got to look him up. K-R-E-E-F-T. Guy's a genius. He's written like 70 books. It's ridiculous. I've written a handful of books. And I'm, I'm, I, I was talking to him afterwards. He had this incredible giddy spirit. Like I just met the guy, and I take a picture next to him. And he said, I should be wearing a t-shirt that says I'm with stupid right now. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like 70. <laughs> Who is this dude? <laughs> right, he was being funny. He wasn't being mean. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I asked, how the heck do you do what you do? I mean, do you have an incredible disciplined life? Do, do you wake up at seven in the, you know, at, at five, four in the morning and read and then get inspired and then write from seven to nine? He's like, don't follow my example. I have ADD and I have written 14 books for every one that I've started. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And you can tell he's a little aggravated. He's like, I know Chris, he said, envy is the dumbest sin because there's no pleasure attached to it. <laughs> Every other sin has a little, a little side, uh, you know, uh, excursion into the land of pleasure for at least a minute. Envy, jealousy, when you see someone else's joy, success, whatever it is, if you, if, if you go to envy for any of those things, you instantly, envy is instantly attached to misery. All right, so recognize if you see other people's joy and you're kind of bugged by it, what you're doing and how stupid that sin is. But, but I also want you to recognize um, you shouldn't be deflated by their joy because I'm going to guess that if you see someone else's joy and you get bugged by that, you might be thinking, I, I can't get there from here. Guys, some people see me and think, oh, he's, he's I had this one nasty comment online recently, like Chris Stefanik with his painted fake smile. I'm like, no, it's actually pretty real. Uh, but you know, that, that can happen. And I think it happens because someone gets deflated and thinks, I, I, I see what you're talking about with joy. And you talk about this deep spiritual joy that's not moved by circumstances. I can't get there from here. I can't get there. You know, there is a joke, literally. You can't get there from here. You know why that's a joke? Because you can get anywhere from anywhere else on planet Earth. If I want to go to the island of Yap right now, Look it up, Yap. It's pretty cool. It's a Catholic island. And uh, if I want to go there from here, like it might take me like 40 hours, but I can get there from here. You can get there from here. God's call to joy, the witness of all the saints, it's not to send the message that that's impossible, that's unreachable. I don't care how miserable you feel right now. God's calling you to deeper spiritual, unmovable joy that doesn't depend on your circumstances. And when you start taking steps and following him in discipleship with faith that he wants you to be happy, you can get there from here. And it's all about taking that, that next step, that next step, that next step. But that, that step to, to joy, to living joy, doesn't depend on all your circumstances. It goes far deeper than circumstances. In fact, you can feel, you can experience the joy of the Lord concurrently with profound sadness. Have you ever been at a funeral? At a funeral, you're feeling grief. You're aware of yourself as one grieving. You're aware of the thing you're grieving. So there's a couple layers of awareness. That's self-awareness, the awareness of what I'm, I'm, I'm sad about. And yet underneath all that, you're aware that there's something else going on. There's a, there's a hope at the same time. That's why you're at the funeral, because you have hope and sadness. You've despaired at the life of this person. That person's dead. That's it. It's over. And you have hope. Got a great question. How do I find the mundane? How do I find joy in the mundane life I live? My 
Life does not feel like a wedding banquet. It feels like oatmeal every day. How do I find joy? I love that. It feels like oatmeal every day. You know, uh, we've all been there. And most of life is the mundane. We look up to the saints, and I'm telling you, like, you see the glory stories of the saints. You see the moment of their martyrdom, which, if they were lucky, took 90 seconds. All right? And that's, you know, here they are, the saints that we look up to, the stories we repeat for a thousand years. We, we see John Paul II in front of, you know, I'm in Denver right now, you know, 15 miles from here. He was here. I was a, I was a teenage kid. There was 750,000 people in front of him. Most of that guy's life, he was shuffling papers. He was having meetings with people. He was meeting donors, fundraising for the Vatican. I don't know. He was doing stuff that was kind of boring. And he had an exhausting, grueling schedule. Kind of like you, Mom. Dad. How do you find joy in that mundane? All right, here's the thing. The things, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I, gosh, I hope I don't look like a cheesy book salesman right now. I'm going to dive into the nine rules for living joy in the weeks ahead. So make sure you watch every week. Uh, we're going to spend a few weeks after this one diving into the rule about creating silence in your spirit. I'm, I'm absolutely confident that when you do specific things to live in the joy of the Lord, when you devote yourself to gratitude, when you devote yourself to self-care, when you make space in your heart for silence, when you make space in your heart for friendship, when you take care of your body that God gave you and exercise and eat right, when you do all sorts of these simple things to become more joyful, it doesn't change the fact that most of your life will be spent doing the mundane. I don't care if you become the Pope, but it will insert you into that mundane with a different kind of spirit as a living one. So often I find myself getting tired I'll stop. If I find myself getting, not, I'm not talking a physical tired, tired in my spirit. I'll stop and praise God right there. And I can't tell you how far that goes. And you might be thinking, Chris, I know this is kind of basic. Yes. Listen, all the stuff about discipleship and about living in the joy of the Lord and becoming saint, insert your name here. It, it all boils down to doing stupidly simple things that you kind of already know you need to do to make your life awesome. It's about getting intentional about those things. So I think it's great that you're, you're in touch with the fact that your heart is feeling like, man, I'm eating oatmeal every day. Man, maybe it's even dry oatmeal, <laughs> right? Lord, what do I have to change? What do I have to do? And, and, and not change in, in my circumstances, but in me. So this is the first dis disqualifier, the first clarification about joy. It's that it's deeper than emotion, but the second one I want to make ties in great with that question you just asked. It, it doesn't depend on your circumstances all changing. It depends on you changing. It depends on you changing. See, the Lord, who created us for joy, put the longing for joy in our hearts, told us, I, I told you these things so my joy may be in you. You know how he began his ministry? He began his ministry shouting this stunning word that's mistranslated in many Bibles as repent. Because the Romans picked up the Greek and translated metanoia as penitentium. And it became a popular way to, to translate how Jesus started his ministry with that word, repent. And Erasmus of Rotterdam was the first one to pick this up. That, no, 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 the Greek has nothing, it, it doesn't really even imply repent from sin. The word Jesus used to kick off his ministry was metanoia, which means change your mind, change your thinking. You see, so often we get into this lie that I'll be happy if X, Y, or Z happens to me. I'll be peaceful when my teenage kid starts respecting me. 
don't hold your breath. I'll, I'll, I'll be focused most on what matters most in life when life calms down in the month of September, which is the month that never happens. No, 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 no. You're going to have the joy of the Lord when you start to change yourself. When you metanoia, when you change you. Uh, great question here. I see so many people who seem to thrive on rejecting joy. Why? Guys, we tend to set our thermostat at whatever temperature we start to feel comfortable with, and then we just get used to it, and whenever the thermostat is messed up, you know, we want to put it right back to that place. So we start to thrive on finding a purpose and complaining and griping all the time. I mean, my gosh, there's, there's Christians who mix up how they do Christianity with this kind of miserable spirit of griping, and they wonder why no one wants to join our church. You, you got to change your thinking, metanoia. You got to change where your thermostat is set. Can I hear an amen to that? I, I, and again, it doesn't depend on your circumstances changing, but you changing. I have a beautiful little video clip I want to share with you guys. My um, mother-in-law almost died a few months ago, and we were in Arizona with her, and she had some really bad diagnoses, some serious heart problems, and this doctor was saying, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we can do anything here. And, and we were about to, she was about to be rolled off into surgery. And she was fully aware that on the other side of that surgery, she was either going to see us again or be in the presence of God. And I snuck my phone out, and, um, and I just filmed a couple beautiful little clips of her that she would kill me for even filming, let alone showing right now. So hopefully she doesn't sue the Augustine Institute Forum, BWTN, whoever airs this. Uh, can you play that little clip of, of her right now? So that's my mother-in-law, totally. and she's listening right there to classical music. And her heart is just filled with joy in that moment. And then she's praying the Our Father with us, praying the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, you're going to see her face just light up, and she just says, I love thinking of how Jesus taught us to pray to his Father. And it gives me chills. I literally got chills right now. That, that's the power of grace in a soul. That's the joy of the Lord. She's about to be wheeled off into a surgery that she might not come out of alive. And she's aware of it. I mean, she's aware of the stuff that she has to be miserable about. And so are you. And some people think, how can you be joyful when so much junk is happening in the world? You know, there are other Christians who are aware of the junk that was happening in their time. Let me tell you what, what they never wrote about. By the way, you think you have a bad president? Nero liked to take Christians, cover them in tar, impale them, and light them on fire. Okay? So this is, these are the circumstances of Rome, and, and, and Paul's in prison and writing to the, to the Philippians, and he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. What? Yeah, he was aware of what's happening in Rome. All the church fathers were aware of what was happening. They were aware of the persecution. They were aware that people can take you out of your home and you'd be fed to, to hungry lions while all your neighbors cheered. But you know what they were more aware of? Their heads weren't buried in the sand. That's not Christian joy. I mean, those moments with my mother-in-law were painful. We might have been saying goodbye to her. I love her. I didn't want her to, to die. Because there was real pain. The joy was realer. The dire circumstances were real. The presence of the Lord was realer. Is that even a word? It is now. Here she is, letting music fill her soul. 
Here she is contemplating the love of Jesus Christ for us as he, as he teaches us so tenderly the, the words of the Our Father. That's what joy is, guys. It doesn't depend on your circumstances changing. It depends on you changing, on you living a life in the Lord. Not just a life, and this is what I'm excited to get into in this show, not just a life where you're rejecting sin. That's just the start of it. And when people fixate on that too much, it's like, okay, that's the only parts that we're allowed to really pay attention to. If you get beyond rules for leaving a sin and go into rules for thriving, well, then it just sounds like secular motivational speech. No, no, no. The difference, one of the biggest differences between this and secular motivational talk is that this stuff actually works. <laughs> it's following the Lord. That's what we're about here, man. <clears throat> the Lord doesn't just want you to leave sin. He wants metanoia. He wants a total changing of how you think so that you'd experience his joy. That's his goal for you. That's why he made you. That's his dream for you. Great question here. Can alcohol make me feel joy? Or is that just fake joy? It depends on what kind of bourbon it is. No. Um, <laughs> Listen, there, there is a legitimate blessing of alcohol. I don't want to undermine that. All right. Uh, sacred scripture tells us that God gave us joy, uh, gave us wine to gladden the heart. And doesn't it do just that, right? And that's one of the reasons that addiction is so horrible, because when you can no longer drink, it takes away a legitimate source of blessing. All right. So now how does, what's the tie-in with, with alcohol and happiness? How do those two connect? Alcohol, unlike things like marijuana, which we could do a whole show on this, marijuana is a psychotropic, so it removes you from reality. Alcohol, even though it's subtle, which is one of the reasons that particular drug, I think, is so insidious, because it's, it's so subtle you can keep functioning. Alcohol doesn't remove you from reality. It's a depressant. <clears throat> so what it does is it takes you from fifth gear to first gear instantly. So if you're having a hard time relaxing, it could take the edge off. When you take the edge off, it could put you in a state where if you're, if you're living in, in a life in the Lord, it can make it a little easier to enter into a spirit of gratitude, presence to the moment, presence to a conversation, presence to things that are not just alcohol-induced, but are legitimate sources of joy. This is also why it's wrong to overuse alcohol, because that, again, it, it goes from a depressant to removing you from reality and suspending your ability to reason, which is your greatest gift as a human creature. It's why it's a grave sin to misuse alcohol. So uh, is, is alcohol the joy? No. Can alcohol help relax you enough to experience sources of legitimate joy? Yes. Don't overdrink or it ruins the whole stinking thing. But that, that's with every blessing, right? I mean, a, a, good, a good steak is great. You overeat steak, you're going to get a heart attack. It's, it's a story. Every, money. You can make your entire life money a blessing from God. You can make your whole life about it. It ruins everything. Uh, listen, I, I want to, uh, does joy require detachment from our shallow conveniences and distractions? That's another great question. We just got texted into us. Uh, does joy require detachment from our shallow conveniences and distractions? Yes, but it's really hard to do, isn't it? I mean, it's, I mean I, like I literally, like I have my phone here while I'm talking to you. Actually, for the next two or three weeks, we're going to, I really feel called to, to focus on what I laid out as the second rule in my book for living joy, and that's creating silence in your heart and life. Uh, so next week, my goal is to have a, uh, a, a, a wonderful Christian who's also a media-addicted iGenner, like every other iGenner. <laughs> We're going to help her detox. And then the week after that, uh, I, I, we have a, an incredible Benedictine nun who will be visiting who really knows what silence is. But it's hard to do, guys, uh, but it's also simple, right? 
So there's things you could do to detach from the constant, you know, tidal, uh, spinning tidal wave that our, our minds get sucked into with the passing things of this world. God's calling you to deeper joy. He's calling you to deeper joy than when you get in passing things. I want to end with this, with this story. Um, I, I, the most joyful man I ever met, I found in the most painful place I've ever been. I was a three-hour drive from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And uh, we're talking an hour and a half where there was no paved roads. And this is a poor part of Haiti, which if you've been to Haiti, that says something. And I met this guy who had been in a, a motorcycle accident, paralyzed from the neck down. And when the missionaries I was blessed to work with found him, his bed sores were so bad you could see his spine and rib cage exposed. And through their care of him, he came into a deep relationship with God. And I came in to care for this guy's bed sores this day. And his house was smaller than my bedroom. And I walk into that guy's house. What do you think I'm going to see? Check this guy's picture out. There's the face looking at me. <laughs> I asked, how do you keep your spirit so high? He said, I think of other things. And painted over his bed was a painting of Jesus and Mary. I think of other things. Guys, it wasn't his circumstances that were making him happy. I guarantee it. It, it, it wasn't everything going his way in life. It wasn't his physical comforts. It was the Lord, the joy that God created us for. That's the joy I want to live with you. That's the joy I want to find in myself. That's what this whole show is about. I, I'm, I'm so blessed to be with you guys. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next week when we start deep diving into silence, which you need in your soul to experience the joy of the Lord. God bless you. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.